Good morning. It is good to have this number back out with us for our morning half of our worship service on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. Uh, let's turn to the book of Jonah this morning. Let's do a, let's do a recap, if you will. We'll remember the, the things that Jonah did. We're going to apply that to us today. Because a whole lot of us are like Jonah. A whole lot of us are very much like Jonah and, and hearing the things that we should do. And we do not do them. We run away. Jonah tried to run away as we throw, as we throw ourselves into the book of Jonah here and we, we study and realize what God had in store for Jonah, the things that he did. Like I said, it applies to us so much. Yes, I understand this is an Old Testament. It's not for our obedience. It is there for our learning. As we learn from Jonah, as we learn the things that we should do and learn the things that we should not do, and at the end of this lesson, we're going to advance back to the New Testament and look at a couple of passages of scriptures. So as we've turned to the book of Jonah, begin reading with me in chapter 1 and in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right, get a little bit of a background from Jonah here. This, this is a Hebrew man. He knew who God was. And honestly, he should have recognized that he can't get away from God. But he was leaving that city and he was going to go to Tarshish. He's got, he, he hears the things he's got to do, and he's just not ready to do this. He's not ready to go to Nineveh. Tell it to repent of the things that they're doing. And he runs away. He, he tries to run. He does. He runs away. He gets into that ship, pays the fare, and he's going to go to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Folks, I'll tell you this in this lesson. There is no place that we can go to get away from God. You can go to outer space and you're still in the presence of God. You can go to the deepest parts of the earth and you can still be seen from God. Or excuse me, by God. And you can be the best Christian that you can be, being obedient to the best letter and still be seen by God. You can be the worst person upon this earth, not caring about one another, not giving a, a flying hoot about God's word, and you still are seen by God. Here we see Jonah getting away from God. He's leaving the presence of God. Uh, it's impossible. That is impossible. All right, so we're reading on. But take notice of this in chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 3. Jonah is running away from God. Take notice of that. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and lay down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Right, stop there in verse 6. Notice what, the, uh, what happened in verse 4. As Jonah is upon this, well, in this 
ship and he's leaving out to go to Tarshish. The Lord knows what he's doing. So there, the Lord sends out this wind. And if you've ever seen the, the, the sea in a wind, them waves get pretty big. It gets pretty violent out there. And of course, these mariners, these folks who knew about the sea, they were very concerned. What, do they, what does it say in verse 5? Every man cried out to his God. Now this is a man-made God. This is not our Heavenly Father that we're referring to here with this three-lettered word. If you was to capitalize every time that the Bible speaks about our Heavenly Father, this is a lowercase g, God. This is these men, they're idol-worshipping, trying to speak to their God to save them, which it would not. There's only one God that sent this wave, and only one God can stop this interaction with this temptuous sea. And then I take notice of something. I can, I can see relating to this. I know a person who sleeps very well. Folks, that's my wife. I, I'm start to, I start to see this Jonah in the bottom of this sea. And folks, we're, we're talking about the mariners, the folks who spend their life on the sea are afraid. That's how temptuous this sea, this sea is. And here's Jonah in the, in the bottom of the ship asleep. And a lot of folks say, you could drive a dump truck through the house and it wouldn't wake them up. Folks, that's my wife. This is Jonah, sleeping in the middle of a temptuous sea, not waking up. So we see the captain come down, see Jonah down there sleeping, and he says, speak to your God. He didn't say our, he says, your God, which they knew who he was. So he said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Take notice of that word perish. We're going to hear that word again. So here this, even the captain himself has gone down looking for an answer, looking for an escape. So they tell Jonah to speak to your God. Maybe your God will consider us. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for those for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Well, duh. Jonah is the reason why this temptuous sea is upon them. For Jonah was, again, he was running away from God. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of, and of what people are you? I said they knew Christ, and I said they knew Jonah. Not yet. Here, they're fixing to find out who Jonah is. Verse 9. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. What a, a stout statement that Jonah just said. He said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. If he really feared the Lord, he would not be running away from the Lord. He would, be, he would be obedient to the Lord. Therefore, he was not fearful of the Lord until he notices what's going to happen later. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Here's Jonah talking to these men and saying, I'm, I'm fleeing from the Lord. 
I, I'm, I'm getting away from it. So the men here upon this, the mariners, were, were concerned. He says, why have you done this to us? Because we are going to suffer your same fate. Then they said to him in verse 11, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. They were afraid before. They threw their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, and it's getting worse. And we see the, the bravery of Jonah in verse 12. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. He's realizing what he has done to put these men in this predicament. So he tells those men, toss me in the sea. It'll be calm for you. Because what you're enduring right now is because of me. We see the, the, the hesitant of these men upon this ship to throw this Hebrew into the sea. In verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. So here you see them hesitant about throwing a person into the sea because it meant their death. Therefore, in verse 14, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with the innocent blood for you, O Lord. We have done as it pleased you. Another, what an astute statement that these men previously were praying to their gods, their idols. Now, as they're turning to throw this Hebrew into the, into the sea, we see them trying to pray to God. Trying, that is. For they were involved in sin. For they had iniquity in their hearts. That prayer never ceased, never raised, never reached God. It never reached his ears. It never seen his eyes. Isaiah 59, 2, folks, you might say, well, they was, they was trying to please God. They was trying to subside him. No, they were not. The things that they were doing previous to this, when the attempt was not pleasing to God, and we're going to see this instance yet again a little bit later in this lesson. So they picked up Jonah in verse 15, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its Raging. Here Jonah is telling him, toss me into the sea. This is because of me. As soon as you throw me into the sea, it'll cease. We see this also with Christ asleep in the bottom of this boat as he is crossing the sea. And this great sea become tempestuous. Even all the mariners were thought they were perishing. And Christ told them, oh ye of little faith. Oh ye of little faith. He spoke the words and the sea, the sea just become calm. His disciples said, this is man of God. Verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They noticed this instance that it shouldn't happen unless there's the power of God. Because a tempestuous sea like that takes a little while to calm down. It doesn't just go and it's over. As soon as Jonah hit that water, it was calm. So these men took notice of that. Much like today, folks need to take notice of the things happening in their lives. Folks need to realize where they are that's, that's who are lost. Need to take notice of the things that are happening in their, their lack of spiritual life and come to God. 
before it is everlasting too late. So we see verse 17. Imagine Jonah being in the sea. And if he had to tread water and tried to swim to the shore, he'd have never made it. He'd have perished in that water. So we see Jonah running from God, knowing what he had done was wrong. So now he's in the water. Could you imagine his thoughts? Well, here it is. This is where I'm going to perish because I can't swim that far. But the Lord had other plans. Keep in mind, back in the first three verses, actually the first two verses, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The Lord had more plans for Jonah. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Another miracle. Anything swallowing anything tends to digest it, tends to perish, tends to die. So we see God preparing this great fish and swallow Jonah. Now keep in mind, there is no light in the belly of this fish. It's dark. And here we see Jonah's words in chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. He said, I have cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple, the water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountain. The earth was the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Another instance of God intervening. So we see Jonah being saved by God from being drowned in the, in the great sea when this fish swallowed him up and spit him on the dry land. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, again, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 3, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So we see Jonah taking heed of what he had said in the belly of that fish. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, one-third into the city, and cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words he spoke. Eight just eight words spoken to Nineveh, one-third into the city. It's significant to think about this. 
Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put a sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the kings and his nobles, saying, Neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, nor let them eat nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from this fierce anger so that we may not perish? Again, there's that word. We're going to hear it one more time. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. He did not do it. So those eight words that Jonah spoke, eight words saved Nineveh. God was ready to destroy it because of their evil works. We see that again back in time, the flood, we see that forward in time, the fire is going to destroy everything. In the middle of these things, we see opportunity of repentance. We see opportunity of turning away, just as Jonah did in his dire circumstance in the belly of that great fish, saying, what I've done, I deserve it, and the things that I'm going to do, I know that salvation is from God. I'm going to pay with my life. Well, he should have remembered those words. He should have held fast to his dedication. Verse 4. Something odd happens. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Let's stop there in verse 4. So we see Jonah, it displeased him what had happened. I think that all eight words, eight words, and the entire city was not destroyed. God was going to do it. He's seen the, their iniquities. He's seen their, their wrath. He's seen their evil in their hearts. But they changed by eight words spoken from Jonah. And Jonah didn't think he really did much. See what happens when we run with God, not away from him? We run with God. It took eight words to turn the outcome of Nineveh. But it displeased Jonah. And he became angry. I came all this way to speak eight words. I could see Jonah. Eight words. All I did. And God did not destroy them. Yeah, because they changed their ways. They turned from their iniquitous things that they were doing. They turned from their evil ways. They turned from their violence that was in their hands. It should have pleased Jonah what he had done or what God had done through him. 
So as he's describing God there in verse 2, so he's, he's slow to wrath. He's full of loving kindness who won't relent from doing harm. So Jonah says, I'm just going to put, I'm going to put myself before you. Just take my life. Just take my life, for it's better me to, than to die than to live. And the Lord asked him, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city in verse 5 and sat on the east side of the city. Therefore he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He wanted to see if this change was going to stick. And the Lord God prepared a plant for it. Uh, and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, so it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that, the, that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, Is it right for me to be angry even to death? But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you had not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. We see Jonah concerned about the outcome of that plant that gave, that God gave him. God was trying to say, go further. Be not angry with those who turn from their iniquitous ways. Now just imagine if Jonah would have took that great talent he had by speaking eight words and overturning God's ruling of destruction for an entire city. How many folks? I believe it's 100, not more than 120,000 folks turned by eight words. They did not have to endure destruction and death. So we see in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 so as we see uh, Jonah being concerned not concerned angry because the Lord says is it right for you to be angry it was not for Nineveh was overturned they weren't going to be destroyed anymore so we see in Luke chapter 9 Christ says something wonderful he gives us instructions he tells us to do something and the word if is there. If we do not do this, destruction is going to come upon us as people. Verse 23. He, then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and of the fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, 
There are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Christ there was speaking about the church. Back in verse 26, he's talking about salvation. Are we ashamed of God's word? Are we ashamed of Christ's teachings? Jonah was. He was angry. Eight words, eight words is all I spoke. And you're going to save him? I knew I didn't have to come all the way over here. I knew I... Yes, he did. Because God told him to do it. Through the hearings of one man's voice, hearing eight words, all those folks were saved. Yet they were unlearned. They need some teaching. Folks, we need teaching today. Christ says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. Daily follow after me. Are we doing that this morning? I said we was going to hear perish one more time. If we hear this in John 3.16, consider 3.16 and also 17. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, folks, that's everybody, even Nineveh, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word perish, the opposite of salvation, condemnation, death, destruction where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nineveh was going to endure that. Eight words spoken. They were saved. Well, they started fearing the Lord. They ended their iniquitous ways, their evil ways, their violence was no longer in their hands. God did not destroy them. Unfortunately, that parish is there. I will say this. The idea of once saved, always saved. Or being saved, and no matter what we do, and we can be saved on Judgment Day, is false teaching. I will say that. Why? Because Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we sin willfully, that is the church. If we sin willfully, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And in verse 27, but a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgments judgment that will devour the adversaries. If we have sin in our heart, there no longer remains that sacrifice for our sins. We are no longer saved and we will have to endure fiery judgment. It's going to devour the adversaries. If you're sinning willfully, you're an adversary of God. (coughs) Put yourself in Jonah's shoes in in the belly of that fish knowing you're about to perish or are perishing. Present tense. Are you outside of Christ? Have you yet to put him on through baptism? Because that baptism washes those sins away. God adds you to the church and he requires faithful service after that point. If you decide to walk into the world and you died to sin, you shouldn't no longer participate in it, but be faithful unto death. God promises, or actually Christ promises everlasting life. Have you lost sight of that? Are you in the belly of that great fish just as Jonah was, realizing you're perishing, needing a way out? Well, Jonah turned to God, just as we must turn to God as well. Do you need to turn back to God as after baptism, taking that short walk with Satan? Well, Satan can't promise us one thing. God's promise for him is chains, darkness, a lake of fire. Don't have your participation in wet. Turn, uh, turn away from Satan. Turn to God. 
Because he offers everlasting life. Through his son, you can have salvation. Do you have salvation waiting? If that's a no answer, let's turn away from the belly of that great fish so he can vomit us out on dry land, starting our spiritual walk yet again. Do you need to do that? Why don't we do so as we stand, as we sing a song of invitation?